fresh green fields you led my steps in days gone by you gave me rest by quiet springs and filled my soul with peace your loving presence brings oh shelter me shelter me The way ahead is dark and difficult to see Oh shelter me Oh shelter me All will be well if only you will shelter me Oh, 
So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production, being produced in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And this, the 27th of June, is the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and that piece of music that led us into the programme this morning is entitled Shelter Me, beautiful piece of music by, composed by Father Michael Junkus. And he actually composed it um, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic early last year. I hope you enjoyed that. As I said, my name is John Keeley, and how me to present um, the introduction to the programme this morning is usually Shane Ambrose. But unfortunately, due to a technical issue, Shane can't join us here in um, the introduction part, but Shane will, will be joining us in part one, two and part three of the programme. We also want to especially welcome our listeners who are housebound, lonely, or struggling in some way today, and our listeners who support us in prayer. You contact us quite often, and we appreciate that, and we know that you appreciate the programme. So we thank Wisdom 102, and especially the Holy Spirit, for allowing us to join each other each Sunday here on Sacred Space and West Limit 102 Radio, local radio. Our programme is broadcast on West Limit 102 local radio at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. And the podcasts of Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Common Sea Inspiration podcasts available for playback and download at our Common Sea Inspirations podcast page. That can be accessed through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts or other platforms just by Googling Common Sea Inspirations. We're also available on Facebook where... Each week we post this particular program that we are recording. Just search again for Common Sea Inspirations. We do like to listen back, hear back from listeners, their comments, suggestions. If you'd like to do that, please contact us by text on 87 That's 087-6088-667. Or email commonseainspirations at gmail.com. So that's text 087-6088-667 or email commonseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now at this part of the programme, Shane usually shares with us Saints for the Week. Now I know I'm not anywhere near as good as presenting Saints for the Week as Shane, but I'll do the best I can. So starting off with tomorrow, the 28th of June, it's the Feast of Saint Irenaeus. Saint Irenaeus lived just after the time of the Apostles, and knew those who had seen and talked with him. He became Bishop of Lyon, the largest trading centre in Gaul. Note of moderation, the desire to win people to Christianity by love rather than by fear, was apparent in, in all of Irenaeus's work. Uh, he was born, probably born around the uh, 125, in one of the most maritime provinces of Asia Minor, where the memory of the apostles was still cherished. He was most influenced by St. Polypop and who had known the apostles or their immediate disciples. So that's St. Irenaeus, which we celebrate in the church tomorrow, Monday the 28th. So on Tuesday, we celebrate the feast of Saints Peter and Paul. On the day traditionally considered in pagan Rome to be its foundation day by Romulus, we celebrate the twin founders of the church in Rome. St. Peter died by crucifixion, and St. Paul by beheading between 64 and the year 67. So that's St. Peter and Paul on Tuesday. 
on Wednesday the 30th, uh, the Feast of the First Martyrs of Rome. In addition to St. Peter and Paul, many martyrs died under the under Nero in the year 64. So on Thursday the 1st of July, uh, the Church celebrates the Feast of St. Oliver Plunkett. From the Irish nobility, uh, whose family supported King Charles I, ordained in Rome in 1654, he became a professor of theology from 1654 until appointed Archbishop of Armagh in 1669. He ministered in Armagh, though forced to work in a covert way during the suppression of priests. He was arrested and tried in Dundalk in 1679 for conspiring against the state. It was seen that Oliver would never be convicted in Ireland, and he was moved to Newgate Prison in London. He was found guilty of high treason for promoting Catholic faith and was condemned to a gruesome death. He was hanged, drawn and quartered on the 1st of July 1681 at Tyburn in London. He was the last Catholic to die for the faith at Tyburn and was the first of the Irish martyrs to be beatified in the year 1920. He was canonised by Pope Paul VI, 12th of October 1975. He's buried at Downside Abbey, England. His head is venerated in St. Peter's Church in Drogheda. So that's a feast of St. Oliver Plunkett um, on Thursday the 1st of July. Friday of this week, the 2nd of July, is the first Friday. Uh, Saturday, of course, the 3rd of July, is the first Saturday. And also, Saturday this week, uh, the 3rd of July, is the Feast of St. Thomas. St. Thomas was born a Jew and was called to be one of the Twelve Apostles. His birth and death dates are unknown, but his feast day is celebrated on July the 3rd. He lived before the formal establishment of the Catholic Church, but is recognised as patron, as patron saint of architects. St. Thomas is best known for his role in verifying the resurrection of his master. Thomas, unwillingly to believe that the, what, that the other apostles had seen the risen Lord on the first Easter Sunday, earned him the title, The Doubting Thomas. Eight days later, on Christ's second apparition, Thomas was gently re- rebuked for his scepticism and furnished with evidence that he demanded. Seen in Christ's hands and the point of his nails, Thomas even put his finger into the, into the nail holes and his hand into the Christ's side. After verifying the wounds were true, St. Thomas became convinced of the reality of the resurrection and exclaimed, My Lord and my God, thus making a public profession of faith in the divinity of Jesus. St. Thomas is mentioned as being present at another resurrection appearance at the Lake Tiberius, where the miraculous catch of fish occurred. This is all we know about St. Thomas from the New Testament. Tradition says that at the dispersal of the apostles after Pentecost, this saint was sent to evangelize to the Parthians, Medes and Persians. He ultimately reached India, carrying the faith to the Malabar coast, which still boasts a a large native population calling themselves Christians of St. Thomas. According to tradition, Thomas was killed in an accident when a fowler shot at a peacock and struck Thomas instead. Following his death, some of his relics were taken to Edisa, while the rest were kept in what is now known as India. Now at this point of the programme, we'll, we'll pray our spiritual communion prayer, and this is for those who can't receive Jesus at Mass this morning. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as a being already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. 
So it's time to go for a second piece of music this morning, and this one is entitled Come and Worship, and it's sung by Mark Forrest. to Sacred Space 102, a common sea inspirations podcast production here for West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you with us on this Sunday morning, coming up, as uh, we said in the first part of the programme, towards the end of the month of June. Still with, here with John uh, on the programme this morning, and we are delighted to welcome a guest to the programme uh, for part two of the programme this morning, Father Alex uh, and uh, Anandam. How are you keeping? Good. Father um, Alex. You're joining us all the way, very far away from Maynooth. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Now, Father Alex is joining us this morning to talk to us about uh, the Society of St. Paul and uh, also a very particular thing, which the Pauline family, of which the Society of St. Paul is, is part, yeah. who are celebrating a biblical of the Pauline family in 2020 and 2021. But before we jump into that, Father Alex, uh, you might just tell us a small bit about yourself. Where are you? Where are you based? How long have you been in the society? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. 
I am Father Alexander Anandam. I belong to Society of St. Paul. At the moment, I am placed here in a St. Paul's community, Menuth, Mugler Road. Um, I am a 16 years ordained priest. I had a 14 years of formation, most of the years in India, but I did my theology in St. Patrick's in 2001 to 2004. And then I did one year of communication course in Kairos. Then I went to two years, three years mission in a UK, London, and then two years here. Then 2010, I went back to India for good. Then 2015, I'm sent back again to this beautiful country, Ireland, to continue my mission. Until today, by God's grace, I am working for the mission of our church, Holy Mother Church. Good. And in terms of, you, you mentioned there, obviously, you're, you're part of the Society of St. Paul. So for many people, they may not be, maybe down this part of the country, they mightn't be overly familiar with the Society. So can you tell us, um, tell us a small bit about it? What, what, where, what is the mission or what is the mission of the Society? Where did it come from? Absolutely. Yes, sure. I'm delighted to share that the Society of St. Paul is a religious congregation founded by Blessed James Alberione at Alba, Italy, on 20th August 1914. The members of the Society of St. Paul, priests and brothers, profess the same religious vows of justice, poverty, obedience, and also we take the fourth vow, fidelity to the Pope, as we are involved in the media postulate, that is press, radio, television, and social media. So we form a community life, prayer, and apostolate. Our ministry or the apostolate involves proclaiming God or proclaiming God's word to the world through the media of communication, press, radio, television, and social media. And our founder says evangelization or bringing God's word means taking God, the word, the master, the way, the truth, and the life to the people through the media is a greatest evangelization. And that's what we do, and that's what we are. Mm. Now, I have to say, bless James Albrioni was a busy man. Um, I, I, have, I have to say, I, I've come across him uh, previously, yeah. and um, he, he was a man who, who got a lot done in, in kind of the short period of time that he was on earth, because he has created what's called, of course, the Pauline family. Yes. And the, the Pauline family is a very, I wouldn't say, it's a very traditional Catholic family, but it's quite big. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so as well as yourselves, which is the, the Society of St. Paul, so that's the, the priests and the brothers, who, yes. what, what other members of the Pauline family are there? Yeah. Um, our founder, Blessed James Albrioni, um, founded a five religious congregations and uh, five lay institutions like the Society of St. Paul as a first family to be founded on, in the year 1914. Then we have Daughters of St. Paul, Sisters, Disciples of the Divine Master who are present here in Ireland. They are in Athlone and uh, uh, still Oregon, uh, Dublin. And Sisters of the Jesus the Good Shepherd then Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, and uh, four institutions, Institute of Mary the Annunciation, Institute of St. Gabriel the Archangel, Institute of the Holy Family, 
Institute of Jesus the Priest. And then we have also the Association of Pauline Cooperators who cooperate in our mission. And it was in the, yeah, it was mm. in that point that divided the 19th century from the 20th century. Alberioni, the young seminarian, received a particular light to do something for the people of the new century. So he felt obliged to serve the church, to work with others in the organized way. That inspired inspiration was vital for the specific mission and the spirit of Pauline family. At first, he thought of among the Catholic writers, technicians, propagandists, and to form a kind of association. And then later he formed it as a religious women and men. And that's how this inspiration from the Lord became a concrete realization on 20th August 1914 amidst the destruction and calamities of the First World War. Monsignor Giuseppe, the Bishop of Alba, erected the Society of St. Paul as a congregation with the diocesan approval on 3rd December 1927. The Holy See officially approved the congregation on 27th June 1949. Thereafter, each religious congregation of this 10 family was founded. Okay. And it's, um, it's as you said, so the, the focus very much of, of the Pauline family is, is, is very much about communicating the word. It's spreading out and, sh and in particular evangelization through the media. And of course, I suppose the very name, I suppose, would be, would be an inclination or a guide to that, of course, the Society of St. Paul, because you are, you're predominant, you're, your patron, your saintly patron, of course, is yeah. St. Paul himself. St. Paul, yeah. So, yeah, so, and why, 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 is, why was Paul picked? Why, why is it Paul more than anyone else? Uh, because Paul is a writer. He's a great communicator. And uh, that's why our founder um, never says he's a founder our patron saint, St. Paul is the founder, who is the source of all the, uh, is the inspiration for this. And uh, St. Paul, what did he do? He took the word of God to all the churches he formed. His communication was so powerful that the church grew in multitude. Same way our founder felt the word of God the source of everything of our Christian life is most important. And what Paul did has to be carried out. And the best way and best means is modern communication. Mm. That is press, TV, radio. And today we follow social media. Mm. Well, I suppose if, if, if for, for the ordinary person, I suppose, on, on, in the pew or the ordinary person listening to the program this morning, uh, the most common way that they would probably encounter the society is a way that they probably don't even realize is the publication of the mass leaflets, the missalettes. Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just I'm just looking at it here. I'm trying to. I was trying to figure out how to how to describe it on screen or to describe it on radio rather, which is the the, the logo for the society, and it's kind of like um, 
a crescent with a with a straight line up out of it, and the name Saint yeah. Paul's underneath it. Yes. And yes, and it's um, it's it's often particularly um, nasty because I think it's where most people the misled is down the back page. Yeah. Published by the Society of Saint Paul. Yes. But obviously, you obviously work in other areas as well in terms of books and Bibles and liturgy and that kind yes. of thing. But what we wanted to sh- ask you to share with us this morning is the particular focus of the Pauline family for the year 2020 and the year 2021. Yeah. Now, this is a year dedicated to the Bible and it f- a Bible and spreading the word of God. And it followed on um, a particular year uh, where the Pauline family was focusing on vocation. Yeah. And it was a response, I suppose, to Pope Francis's uh, setting up of the the year the word of god sunday so maybe if you could tell us a bit about it what's the idea behind the pauline year what are you doing yeah um actually when this committee was formed we were also part of this committee to implement or to start with the sunday of the word of god and uh, our founder as I said in the uh, earlier, it is the, the word of God is the root of our Christian life, and also it's a first apostolate, as Saint Paul did in his life. So nothing is done without the word of God, either it be a holy Eucharist, either it be a adoration, either it be a sacraments, any sacraments. The center is the word of God. So therefore. As the church also began to celebrate the Sunday of the Word of God, the Holy, the the Pauline family thought of starting 2021 as a year dedicated for the Word of God. So the logo is so beautiful. If you see here on the screen, a sower and the a runner. The theme is the sower depicted as leaning forward to air, 10 seeds symbolizing the 10 branches of the Pauline family. The different sizes of the seeds and the different directions in which they move indicate the different services of the various branches of the Pauline family. The different spheres of society in which they have been called to root themselves. So, um, therefore, this word of God, the year of Pauline family, the, the Pauline family celebrating this year of the word of God is so important because it is rooted in our Pauline mission. And in terms of the outreach that you are doing for people, what kind of events, what kind of things are you doing for the year? Yeah. So, this year, the editorial level of proclaiming God's word, that is, we publish books. Uh, based on the scripture and the pastoral way, we do like biblical courses. We conduct online biblical courses, seminars, and free distribution of Bible. And uh, in our communities, we have a special Lexio Divina forums where we reflect on the word of God and re- enrich our Pauline mission. So in the, these are the three aspects we follow in the year of the Word of God, like uh, editorial level, pastoral way, and inside within our community level. 
And in terms of in terms of those types of things, so if people wanted to participate or wanted to get involved, particularly I suppose given the challenges that are there at the moment with the COVID restrictions, how how might they do so? Yeah, we have uh, websites of the different uh, provinces, especially English-speaking provinces, like uh, um, Saintpauls.ie Ireland. St. Paul's India, St. Paul's Australia. Um, we all do distinctively, but they are all published. The programs are published on the website and also the Italian website that is uh, St. Paul's.net, Paulus.net. So these are the uh, websites where the year of the Sunday of the word, uh, sorry, the word of the word of the Lord um, being uh, published and which people can know, people can know and the programs that's being conducted online. And so just to remind people, so the, the types of things that are available, there's there's Alexia Divina, there's uh, talks on scripture. Yeah, and seminars, mm -hmm. seminars. And okay, so we've put the we put the link for those up on the podcast as well, just for yes. or in the podcast notes, so that people can that can people can link through. Yes, I can do the programs. Yes. Yeah, no problem. That that we can that we can do as well. So then, I suppose, Father Alex, I suppose the other thing just to check then is, uh, I suppose you also mentioned to me in, in part of our discussion that there's a free app for daily liturgy. I'm just wondering yes. if you want to, yes. if you want to share with us on that. Oh, yes, good. You reminded me, yes. Uh, you know, uh, to honor this year and make it available for the people, we have also made the free app that is, uh, if we go to mobile app, download a daily liturgy, that is the uh, name of our uh, application, daily liturgy liturgy for free so we get every aspect of the christian that is uh, the one we call it a uh, god's word that is everyday readings with reflection then all the prayers all the novenas and then eucharistic prayers um, hymns everything is there in that uh, app so it can enrich everyone's spiritual life every day. And it's a free app. And just just for, just, uh, just for people just to say, okay, so those are not aware, an app, it's one of those little things you can download on your phones for those yeah. of, of our listeners that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be familiar with it. For those of you that are, it's called Daily Liturgy. It's available under the, um, wherever you get your app. So be that either the, Play Store or the uh, I Store, I, I, Apple, the Apple equivalent thereof, yeah. and it's literally it's just daily liturgy, St. Paul's. It's a small enough app. It's it's quite it's and it and it uh, it's available there to download for free. And as as Father as Father Alex said, it's a resource that's available. So particularly in you know if you um, if you liked being able to follow the readings at Mass, for example, as I do. I, I, I use another app, it's, it's another one as well that but has the daily readings and you turn off your phone, you turn off your volume, you turn off your, your, your what you call it, your internet connection when you, and you use it as your reader in, in the chapel, particularly at the moment because we can't get access to the missalettes, it's, it's a handy one to have. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's nice, it's, a, it's fairly easy enough to 
plan to navigate around for those that can find it. The screen size can be adjusted for those of us that are suffer with the glasses and so on and so forth. So that's called Daily Liturgy. So that is the free app that's available there to download. And as, as Father Alex said, the Society of St. Paul and the Pauline family, they're promoting their year, the biblical year of the Pauline family going from 2021 and it can be accessed online if you google biblical year biblical year of the pauline family which will bring up those resources in terms of uh lecture divina seminars and lectures that are being done talks that are being made available yeah you are correct. So, so that's that's what we have for this part two of the program so uh john just to close us out for part two yeah so just to finish off our part two of the program thanks again for that alex uh, just picked a piece of music that I think might be ideal after listening to Father Alex. It's by Eden uh, Espinosa, and this one is entitled Shine, Jesus, Shine. So join us again in part three, where Shane and Father Alex and myself will do our best to share and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. So join us again in part three. So welcome back again to the third part of Six Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley, I'm still joined by Shane. Father Alex is still joining us on the other end of the Zoom line. This is the part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, we, Shane um, always prays this prayer to lead us into reading and reflecting on the Word of God. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. 
We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, we used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, at chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. When Jesus had crossed in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered round him, and he stayed by the lakeside. Then one of the synagogue's officials came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet and pleaded with him earnestly, and saying, My little daughter is desperately sick. Do come and lay your hands on her to make her better and save her life. Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed him. They were pressing all around him. Now there was a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for twelve years. After long and painful treatment under various doctors, she had spent all she had without being any the better for it. In fact, she was getting worse. She had heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his cloak. If I can touch even his clothes, she told herself, I shall be well again. And the source of the bleeding dried up instantly, and she felt in herself that she was cured of her complaint. Immediately aware that the power had gone out from him, Jesus turned round in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You know how the crowd is pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he continued to look around to see who had done it. Then the woman came forward, frightened and trembling, because she knew what had happened to her, and she fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. My daughter, he said, your faith has restored you to health. Go in peace and be free from your complaint. While she was still speaking, some people arrived from the house of the synagogue official to say, your daughter is dead. Why put the master to any further trouble? But Jesus had overheard this remark of theirs, and he said to the official, Do not be afraid, only have faith. And he allowed no one to go with him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So they came to the official's house, and Jesus noticed all the commotion. When pe with people weeping and wailing un unrestrainedly, he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and crying? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they, fa but they laughed at him. So he, turned, so he turned them all out, and taking with him the child's father and mother and his own companions, he went into the place where the child lay. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Takita, come, which means, little girl, I tell you to get up. The little girl got up at once and began to walk about, for she was twelve years old. At this they were overcome with astonishment, and he ordered them strictly not to let anyone know about it, and told them to give us something to eat. So that's the Gospel for today, the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Maybe Father Alex, you'd like to start us off with a reflection, please? I would like to emphasize two important points for a reflection today, based on our today's Gospel passage. The first one is, the miracle story show. Jesus healing either by touch or by a word. On this 
13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, 27th June, we heard a story, a parable with two stories. And today, the stories of healing might touch Jerus, the official whose daughter is dying. Here, Jesus taking the child's hand and he touches her. And the child is healed. He says, child, get up, little child, get up. The child is cured and healed. On the other side, we have a woman who suffered from hemorrhage and she touches Jesus. She is healed. On the one side, Jesus touches the child. On the other side, a woman touches Jesus. During this pandemic time, we are insisted, we are reminded, do not touch, keep away, distance yourself. But rather we have a beautiful story of human touch, which is so much important. We need healing by touch or word by Jesus first and our family and our friends. How do I touch in my life? By word, by, by centered on God's word and centered on the human touch of healing. This is the most important, the first point of our part. Our scripture reading gives us or emphasizes. And secondly, we have a man, the official, public official, important person who seeks Jesus. On the other side, a woman who lost everything and her condition that separated her from the community. And again, Jerus one who approaches Jesus publicly. On the other hand, woman approaches Jesus secretly. In each of the events, faith leads them to Jesus. When we place our trust in Jesus, healing is assured. What you are in the society is not important. How strong is your faith is most important. Therefore, God knows what we need. Let us place all our trust in Him. He will be healed. May Jesus bless each one of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Alex, thank you indeed for, for sharing those your thoughts with us. Jane, have you got a thought you'd like to share with us, please? Yeah, um, just to just to, to pick up on on some of the points that, that 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 Father that Father Alex raised there, I think what struck me there was two things that struck me about this this today's gospel, which I think speaks very much to us in our COVID times. Um, both obviously both accounts revolve around at the healing a healing that takes place. 
And I suppose more than ever, we are so conscious of that at the moment in terms of medical need uh, and things that are arising from it. And as Father Alex said, one of the things was the appeal, the, the, the belief in faith and the appeal to touch. And I thought it was very appropriate, actually, as we're looking hopefully towards July the 5th and, and further opening up of the country, that with more and more people vaccinated, um, we will be able to once more reach out and touch to hug or to give a handshake or whichever whichever the case might be. Because I think for many of us, that has been some of the hardest parts of what we've had to endure in the last uh, 18, 12 months, 18, 18 months, whatever it is. And it's an important thing to think about because the woman that was caught here with the hemorrhagic fever, you know, she had a huge difficulty because to to have any loss of blood in, 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 in the world of that time was to end up in a situation where you were to be declared unclean. Um, you know, blood and all it entailed was seen as a symbol of life, so to lose it was to cause issues. So she... she she had a problem in the sense that society-wise, she was almost excluded because of her ritual, her, what was defined as her ritual impurity. And she was at her wit's end. She was at her wit's end, and, and in a matter of desperation and faith, she said, even if I can touch Jesus's cloak, it would be sufficient for me. And I suppose there's something there for us in terms of just knowing and recognizing that when we hit rock bottom that we can reach out and touch the hymn of christ that he is there for us and something for us to think about particularly in this difficult time with people dealing with the stresses of everything we've gone through at the moment and it's, it's an interesting contrast because you have the woman who was probably she'd spent all her money trying to find cures she was probably at the other end, at the lower end of society, versus Jarius, who was seen as a high official in, in the local synagogue, um, a man who would have had influence in the society that he was in. And he comes to Jesus and goes down on his knees looking for his intercession. And I suppose for me, the thing that struck about that, there was two things that struck me about it was, again, it was the faith of desperation driving him to seek God's intercession, which we'll come back to. I'll come back to that in a second. But also it was the fact that no matter how high he got in society, it was a reminder to us that we still need God, no matter how far we think we are from him. And that's just something for us to remember as we journey through life, never to forget uh, that, you know, God is there for us and we, are, we need to be there for him as well in some respects. But going back to the point that both of them, both the woman and Jarius, they went to God out of their desperations more than anything else. Jairus was about to lose his little daughter. The woman, the, now, one of the things that annoys me about it is we don't know her name. She's the woman with the hemorrhagic fever. And I, I, that annoys me that we, she's, she's accounted in scripture, but we don't know what, what her name was. But the point, I suppose, is that there were two individuals who went and turned in desperation, in their need to God. And it's a reminder to us well, it's two things. First of all, no matter how far we feel we are from God, that when things are toughest, he's always there waiting for us to come back. But also the reminder to us that maybe we shouldn't leave it that long, you know, 
um, that we need to think about it, about our relationship with God. And no matter how long or how far you think you have fallen away, as we have said before and time and time again on the program, John, God is very near and he is always willing and waiting for us to turn back. And he will embrace us and touch us and call us and remind us that he will call us by name and remind us that we are beloved, that we are children of his and that he cares for us. You know, and it's just it's interesting when you look at the story of the of of the of the 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 cure or the what the, the event that happened with Jairus's daughter, the three disciples that he picked was the other thing that jumped out at me was James, Peter, and John. They're the same three t- disciples that went up Mount Tabor for the Transfiguration. They are also the same three disciples that accompanied Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they are also the three key disciples for the life of the disciple of the apostles and the faith of the community after Jesus's ascension. Peter, obviously, being Peter, James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and John, of course, is the evangelist and the great promoter of love. So you know, it's just the reminder that even those Peter denied him three times, they all ran away from him in the garden, despite the fact that they'd be on Tabor. They had, despite the fact they had seen this event with Jairus's daughter. And so it's, you know, it should be something of hope for each of us that even though we have times where we can lose faith, because this morning's accounts are very much encouragements for us to maintain faith, but for those times that where we lose faith or we're clinging onto faith by our fingertips, never despair, because God is there willing and waiting and open for us to come back. And it's a reminder to us that he is always there for us. And that he's there, you know, to to to, to 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 encourage us, to encounter us, and to touch us where we need to be touched. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Just a little thought that I had there myself, just to finish off. Like Jairus in the Gospel uh, passage that we've just read, we've all come to Jesus and pleaded with him earnestly. Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus. His rank as a synagogue official would not have expected this, but to humble himself publicly at the feet of Jesus, pleading for him to come and lay his hands on his daughter, who was completely sick, to make her better and save her life. Today we can ask ourselves, how earnestly and humbly and with faith do we plead with Jesus to heal someone we know who needs Jesus to lay his hands on them and to make them better and save their life? Maybe we could take a few moments today to pray for someone who needs help. And to finish, I'd like to quote from the rest by Solio Psalm today. A prayer of thanks. The third verse. The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me you have changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord my God, I thank you forever. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. So that about finished off our programme this morning. Thanks again, um, Shane and Father Alex, for sharing those reflections with us, and also Father Alex for letting us know a bit more about St Paul's Society. So with that, we'll have to finish off the programme now this morning. Um, wondering which one, to, which which uh, piece of music to play, but really it was fairly easy. This one is by Marilla Ness, and this one is entitled Jesus the Healer. So for myself and Shane and for Alex, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the week and God bless you and we'll speak again next week. Bye-bye now.
Bye. Thank you. Bye. Let